guys know what time it is. Your boy Justin. Welcome into another edition of the Daily Knicks podcast. I got my guy Zach back into the building. The day of the draft. This is the audio that will be coming out. I'm talking about pretty much, you know, the Knicks draft picks, the Nets draft picks, and basically what's going to be happening. So make sure you strap it to Tim's and ready for the good content. All right, Zach, you ready to discuss how the Knicks can screw up this draft pick? Oh, of course. Hmm. Gotta love to see it. So, as it currently stands, well, I guess before we talk about the Knicks, I guess just the draft in general. Uh, The NBA draft is always interesting just because, like, (laughs) only, like, two or three guys actually pan out to be, like, really good. And, like, the best guys always end up, like, really late. I don't know if you saw – do you watch uh, Scott Van Pelt's show? Nah. Yeah, because it comes on really late. I'm not up that late. Yeah, so they did the they just did the mock draft of just from 2017, right? Mm-hmm. They had a point that like four of those dudes already who was drafted in the top ten, just the top ten of the 2017 draft, have already been traded. Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball. Um, they had Zach Collins, who I didn't know the Kings had that pick, and they traded him to Portland. And I don't even remember what they got back. Another you gotta love the Kings, man. <laughs> and uh uh who else? Someone else is there got oh Dennis Smith Jr. Oh yeah. <laughs> like have already been traded before, you know, uh 2019. And the same thing's gonna happen with this draft. Um we're gonna go crazy about who's got what pick or whatever, who's gonna take who, but half these guys are either gonna bust or get traded within the first two, three years of their contract. So this is why you don't build through the draft. But anyway, so the top 10 picks, uh, teams in the draft, we have New Orleans at number one, Memphis number two, the Knicks number three, New Orleans again at number four, Cleveland at five, the Suns at six, uh, the Bulls at seven, the Atlanta Hawks at eight, Washington at nine, and then the Hawks again at number 10. So for you, Zach, who do you think – is going to be the crazy team that we're all going to be like, what the hell are they doing on draft night? Uh, so there, there are two options here. One, it's, I think the wizards because um, they don't have a, they don't have a GM yet. The draft is in the draft is in what? 29 hours. And they still don't have a general manager. They're a train wreck, but also my sleeper pick for this is your very own New York Knicks. And believe it or not, it pains me to think like this, but, I'm sure you've seen it as well. There have been um, rumblings about their interest in Darius Garland and how he may be the guy to get picked over RJ. I don't know if you want to talk about that just yet, but that is definitely one surefire way for the Knicks to mess this up. Okay, yeah, we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, yeah, because I actually had some thoughts about the whole that whole process. So for me... I keep going back to thinking that Memphis just has they're, – they're, they're, it's too good for them not to screw this up. Memphis has the second pick in the draft. And at first, it seemed like John Moran was a lock. And I still think they will take him. But this is the same team that took Hashim to beat second overall over James Harden and Steph Curry and DeMar DeRozan. But you've been hearing now that with the Knicks – possibly having interest in Garland at three that the Pelicans want to trade up to two to either take Garland or take RJ Barrett. Now I think that this is a lot of mind games with a bunch of people. A lot of things leak out at the very end. I do find it interesting that Garland is interesting because he basically didn't, he worked out once at the combine that shut it down. Then everyone thought he basically had a promise but now he's working out for the Knicks. Um, I haven't looked at like who else he's worked out for. I would assume he worked out for the Suns um, and stuff like that. But you never know. So my thing is just like with the draft overall, it's like, and I guess this kind of bleeds into to the stuff about the about you know Garland and the Knicks is that, you know, we have these mock drafts and like fans for the longest time get kind of like drunk off the idea of having mock drafts, right? So like. If you have the fifth pick in the draft, right, and everyone's been telling you this whole time you're taking Cam Reddish or whatever, right? Cam Reddish is the guy. Cam Reddish is the guy. Cam Reddish is the guy. And then all of a sudden your team takes Bowl Bowl. You know, you you flip out. 
And it's because we've all been conditioned to think, well, that's the guy we should take because X, Y, and Z. And you start looking at the positivity about a bunch of stuff. I just spent the morning looking at could R.J. Barrett and Dennis Smith Jr. play together if neither one of them can shoot and they all need the ball in their hand. I literally was on YouTube for an hour just debating that to myself. And it's like it's the same thing that we do all the time. But at the same time, we don't get the same information that these GMs get. And we don't have the same type of like outlook on these prospects than they than they do, you know. And so, just to if we want to talk about the Garland thing to the Knicks, if there wasn't a mock draft, why is taking Garland at three so bad than taking RJ at three? And my question only is this: if he if everyone keeps telling me that he is a the best ball handler in the, in the draft who has the best shot in the draft, and he projects to be someone like Dame Lillard, and I haven't really seen a bad comp for him, why is then him going three such I a do. crazy idea? Yeah, I don't You get what I'm saying? Like, for a long but, we, but we've been conditioned this whole time to hear that, oh, it's only these three players. But now that Garland seems to be coming out of nowhere, it's like, oh, well, the Knicks can't do that. But if he went four, is that such a, is that such a crazy decision? Like, if... If the Pelicans took him at three, I'm sorry, the Pelicans took him at four, people would applaud that. But the Knicks took him at three, that's such a See, bad this is, decision. This is one of those things where, again, I want I just want to agree with you where in regards to mock drafts being very subjective, it's like when you see a mock draft, you kind of have to associate it with that person and how they're looking at the draft. Um the Garland situation is weird because he put up decent numbers, but at least for me, I still have a lot of questions. Even though I think that he deserves to be a top 10 pick, there are a lot of questions, right? So he's a little bit on the smaller side. He's not that explosive. Um, I don't I don't think he's the greatest ball handler, and he's not really that crafty. His decision-making is also a big concern. He averaged more turnovers then it says, granted, it's a five-game sample size, so I'm not going to crucify him over that. But if R.J. Barrett is on the board and Darius Garland and Darius Garland is as well, I think it'd be silly to pick Garland over Barrett because Barrett has proven himself. Granted, he didn't get hurt, so I that's kind of you know a bad argument. But I just also think Barrett is the more NBA ready player to produce right away regardless of how it comes he's got he's gonna make plays throughout his first couple years it's just a matter of how ugly is the bad gonna be and now new orleans having the fourth pick i don't think it would be smart for them to take garland because they have two point guards they have two point guards already when the lakers were picking fourth it was different because they had lonzo but who else did they have they didn't really have anybody at least New Orleans, they have Drew Holiday and Lonzo, and they can figure out a way to stagger the minutes with everybody else. So now, who are they going to pick? Are they going to take Jarrett Culver? Are they going to take Cam Reddish? Are they going to take someone else who I can't remember right now? It's all. It all needs context. Every pick needs context, and every pick, especially in the lottery, can look bad if it goes if that player goes to the wrong team. There's only one or two guys in every draft class. Where there are there's surefire going to be great no matter what in this draft class, it's Zion. He could go to any of the thirty teams, and he'd be great. Outside of him, there's really there's nobody else that has that that much confidence under them, at least to me. Yeah, and so like, and, and that's another thing too, I guess, with the idea of when. You know, you don't draft for need in the NBA. You more just draft for who's the best guy on the board, and you'll figure it out. But in the early picks, that's true, because the talent drop off isn't that big. Once you get later, I, I don't know. Probably after the 14th pick at the end of the lottery, that's when really you start to weigh the talent to the team need. Because at that point, there are a few guys who are have the talent that would supersede the need. If it were that noticeable, they'd be gone in one of the first 12 picks. Of course, they could surprise you later on in their career, but but nobody knows who's going to break out on draft night. 
Yeah, but I'll just I'll get into a larger point of like the this is the issue with the Knicks not getting Zion. Obviously, with the fact that Zion is a transcendent player, it's the fact that Zion actually plays the position the Knicks actually need the most. Like the Knicks will have someone at every other spot that they at least like, whether it's point two, three, or the five. They don't really have a power forward anymore. Knock knock. Start the Chris Porzingis jokes. Um, they don't really have anybody at the four spot that they kind of like. But after Zion, everyone else is a ball handed, whether it's Ja, RJ, um, Darius Garland, of the three next guys who everyone thinks was the best. And then if the Knicks for some reason took Jarrett Colbert, they would get killed for that. I don't think so. We talked so, about this last time, didn't we? Yeah, we no. But we, yeah, we talked about this last time, but at the yeah. same time, I no. But here was my thing. I said that they wouldn't. They would get killed if they took him at three. I don't think they would get killed as killed as much if they fell to five and took them. Because yeah. we were talking about the whole like, could they fall to five to Cleveland get a first round pick and then let Cleveland take three take RJ? But I think listen, the momentum is too much now. I think they have to take. I think they have to take RJ. Like it's 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 what we just talked about at the beginning. When you get conditioned so much to this point, like. When everyone thinks like, oh, well, you know, you're in the top three, you're out of the top three, your your whole thing gets screwed. Well, the Lakers basically got Anthony Davis because they got the fourth pick in the draft. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Where everyone thought that was the cutoff point of this draft. But it's like, if I'm at, you know, five or whatever, right, the pressure is off for me to take someone. I have to take this guy because, like, there's going to be five guys in the top five who are going to get traded or bust, like we said in the beginning within the next three years it's just it's gonna happen but if you're not locked into we have to take this guy you have the flexibility to at least you know take who you want it's a lot freer than being at three now granted rj seems to be a great player i think they should take him at three i think there's you know things to like about him things to not like about him but unfortunately when you're at that spot you cannot not take that guy right like yeah, so you know what I'm saying? Like, they have to take whoever it is. I think Memphis is is really in a really, not, I want to say bad spot, but they basically confirmed now they just traded away Conley that they are taking art, that they're taking job, mm-hmm. you know? They're going to take a point guard, and, you know, that seems to be the right pick. But to me, at least, at least they, they thought about having RJ. They wanted to at least compare the two, but their fan base and the, the, what the NBA feels about them, they have to take job Morant. And Let's be clear. It might not be the 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 best pick. RJ might be better than him, but when you get conditioned by these mock drafts and these fan bases and these blogs and everyone at ESPN telling you and Fox and Yahoo being like, "Josh, the number two pick," you have to then take him. And so, for the Knicks, like I, it was, I was seeing a bunch of stuff like, "Look at these idiots!" But everyone thinks that this. That Garland could be somewhat like Dame Lillard, who got a team to the West Conference Finals. I don't know about that. So my brain and but the comparison I've seen his height of R.J. Barrett is James Harden. To me, James Harden and Dame Lillard are relatively the same player. So what difference is it if we took Garland over R.J. Again, I'm not, I'm not really refuting this, but it all, it all requires context i also think the debate between them two wouldn't be so polarizing if garland were healthy this season and he had 30 games to showcase his potential him playing only five games really it was kind of a blessing and a curse because that five game sample size alone has propelled him up the draft boards if he had played 30 he may have a he may have made a case to go second or he may have made a case to go 14 it's just it all requires context but there's another point that i think often gets overlooked and this isn't just a draft issue this is a league wide issue there are really i don't know maybe maybe 10 guys who are going to produce at the level that they're producing now regardless of where they play. 98% of the players in the NBA need the right system to play well. And it's the same thing when you're drafting. You can have two guys of equal talent level go to two different teams. And if one fits in better in their with their team than the other one does in the other, one's going to look 
like Damian Lillard and the other is going to look like Shabazz Napier. That may very well be the case with Garland and Barrett or anybody, John, Jarek Culver. It's all a matter of fit. And I think that plays into a lot of these trades that don't happen on draft night, but instead a year or two later, it's all about either fit or that team is trading to get a better player. Like um, the Lakers. I don't know how I forgot that. Like the Lakers trying to get Anthony Davis. They, I'm sure they'd be fine with keeping Lonzo Ball as their point guard for the future, but you don't pass up on Anthony Davis. You just don't do that. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, you weren't. I don't know if you heard the podcast last week, but that was a that was a hefty trade, man. man. The fact that they were able to even That's... flip that guy is that was good. I mean, speaking of 2017 point guards, um, Nilakina, it appears that you know his days are mm-hmm. are long and gone. Um, we've I think I don't know if me and you talked about this before, but like I felt he's been getting about to get traded for the longest of times. Um, is is there like uh he so basically when they when they take RJ mm-hmm. which we both assume they will it they now have like a gluttony of guards that they all kind of like and you know want to play i mean Fizdale just came out and said they like Kadeem yeah. Allen who's like a two-way guy who like no one outside of you know 10 Knicks guys who watched the uh the final games of last season even know who that is um but it would make sense for them to get rid of Neil Kena. But my my question is this: would it would it make more sense for them to get rid of Dennis Smith than Neil Kena? This is an opinion question. I don't really think there's a there's a definitive answer for this. And I'm pretty sure you and I did talk about this, where you feel that Frank still has a place on the Knicks, and you and I believe you feel that he can be a major rotational player. Is that correct? Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I really like Frank. I, I'm i not the put, put on front street, like I said before. I'm not the biggest Dennis Smith fan. Right. And this is where we disagree. Now, I think they'd be better off with Dennis Smith Jr. just because of how he's developed at a better rate than Frank has. It'd be different if they were keeping one and they could have Frank just like continue to move at his own pace until he's ready to kick Dennis Smith out of the starting spot or until they trade him for whatever. But at this rate, they might just keep DSJ, move Smith, and then see what happens. And I believe I saw the report that the Knicks were going to try to get either a late first or a second rounder for Frank. That could very well turn into a solid player. I mean, we've seen in the past a handful of guys that have been drafted in the second round that have turned out to be incredible players. I mean, there's Nikola Jokic, of course, but also someone like Spencer Dinwiddie, who bounced around the G League, went to Detroit, and then he finally found a spot in Brooklyn where he turned into a a great player. The Knicks could get somebody like that if they were to trade Frank for a later pick. But I think it just comes down to the front office and Fisdale figuring out what their priorities are. And I think, I think they're better off going with Dennis. Yeah. And so the, the issue I have with this is like, I know they're trading Neil King. They're not going to trade Smith. Like I'm, I was just kind of putting that out there just because it makes no sense to trade Smith right now, just because you just traded for him. Yeah. He got hurt when you, you know, got him on the team. He had like slipped this in his back or something weird like that. Uh, he, if you were going to trade him, honestly, now is the best time to do it, but they just traded for him. And, you know, they've, like I said, they have a gluttony of guards, but my issue kind of comes down to I, where I see the Knicks going. So if they take RJ and I'm not including free agency, I'm just, let's say just get regular dudes or if they get Jags. I feel like this is a, uh, the watered down baby version of how the Houston Rockets could play, and I can't I mean, stand the way they play. Like, but so, so here's the thing. Yeah. So if you take, so you take RJ, right, and you take Smith, and let's say they 
you know, no Vonley, whoever. They just get someone who plays the four, and then three, the three and the five are Mitch and Knox, respectively. I can just see a bunch of my turn, your turn play because RJ, his greatest strength is to get to the rim, right? He's a physical guy and he's strong dude and he can make a bunch of tough long twos. That's a lot of stuff that Dennis Smith Jr. does, but Dennis Smith Jr. is just three inches shorter than him. So when I watch them play, it's hard for me to see one of them wanting to run off screens or not have the ball in their hand when both Chris Paul and James Harden do that. Now, obviously, it's effective. You know, James Harden won in league MVP. They got 65 wins. They got to the Western Conference Finals. It's it's good. I mean, it gets you to win, but that's, that way of playing, does that get you to a championship? I don't know. And the fact that both of them suck on defense and you're going to ask Mitchell to basically cover for three really bad defenders and then – you basically just going to have to try to like shoot a bunch of threes and run, which is cool. I mean, it's going to be a young team, so it'll be bad on defense anyway. And I'm not saying they can't get better. But having Smith on the team, I think, and RJ is going to be interesting at best. I have real concerns about that, which is why i much rather have Frank because Frank doesn't need the ball in his hand. I understand he is an awful offensive player. But – he doesn't need the ball in his hand. You would assume at year three he can hit corner threes. And if you just let RJ cook, he doesn't need anyone else with the ball in their hand. Kevin Knox doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands. He does two things. He shoots threes, he drives to the rim. That's it. Mitch doesn't need the ball in his hand. Frank doesn't need the ball in his hand. Dennis Smith, for him to become what he is, he needs the ball in his hand. And so to have them, I'm not saying to have them both on the team, but they're going to start both. And that is going to be muddy waters to at least start the season. I'm not saying it can't work, but I have real concerns about them playing together. Maybe selling the team a little short because, at least with the Rockets comparison, there is only one team in the NBA that can play like the Houston Rockets, and it's the Houston Rockets. Now, their situation is an anomaly, right? So they brought in. Mike D'Antoni, because Daryl Morey is one of those, he's like a, a Sam Hinkie, Sam Hinkie disciple almost, where you prioritize layups and threes, which isn't, in theory, it's a great it's a great way to build a basketball team. You get guys who can shoot, and they're the compliments to the guys who can get to the rim. Now, where Houston, in my opinion, goes wrong is their over-reliance on James Harden creating that's where they fall short so i don't think any other team is going to mimic that style entirely because it clearly it doesn't work now granted we'd be having a different conversation if last season i'm talking 2018 if they didn't miss 27 straight threes and they beat golden state and go to the finals this is this is an entirely different conversation i think that I have confidence in... Or, you know, those two players didn't bicker and almost want to kill each right. other. They could have won the finals this year. Right. No, but that's that's also something entirely different. And I want, I'll, we'll get to that later, maybe. But I have confidence in David Fisdale and his coaching staff to where they wouldn't allow that to happen. Now, pairing R.J. Barrett and Dennis Smith is going to be an issue at first. But as soon as one of them is able to shoot, I don't think there'll be a problem. Yeah, by 2025, one of them will be able to shoot. I mean, and if it if that doesn't happen, figure figure something else out. But I think that you could at least try it because Barrett and Smith on the floor at the same time, at least you have two guys who can create offense. If it were Barrett and Nilakina, you have one guy who can create offense. Even though Smith and Barrett are both a little limited at this point, if one of them is driving and they and they occupy a couple defenders and they kick it out to the other, you they're not going to pass up open threes. And they're probably going to hit open threes at a decent rate, at a respectable rate at least. So I don't see why that combination wouldn't at least be worth a shot. And then when does Dennis Smith's contract expire? 
He's got two. Well, the Knicks have to option, pick right? up his option this, yeah, this October, which I think they will. Um, it, it makes sense. You're not going to trade for a guy for basically a year, then have to you know spend so much more money. So they'll pick up his option. I think it's in October. Yeah, and you're to. spending ten million dollars to try to get this combo to work. I mean, just try it. If it doesn't, if nothing happens, let Dennis Smith walk, and then. Figure it out. Yeah, I guess I'm just I'm just frustrated at the prospect at them getting rid of Nilakina because like those are guys that like I would I think you need to win a championship, and then they're really far from winning a championship. No, I understand. Um, but yeah, we can move, we can just slide over to like what the next the the next the next plan is. Um, <laughs> are you? We talked we talked after you guys made the trade, right? Man, did we? I don't know if we did. I was about to ask that, but I don't remember. Yeah, I might, we might not have. I think we t- we texted about it, but we didn't like talk on this about it. Yeah, because I remember talking. I remember talking about Grant Williams and how excited I was for him to go to the Nets, and now that can't. Yeah, happen. and now what do you have the twenty fourth pick? Something like that. You no, yeah, you have the uh, the Denver's pick. Let's pull that up. Pull that up, James. Yeah, bro. Um. Yeah, why are you pulling that up? So for the Nets, it's like, man, I am, I, I yeah, you have twenty seven. Okay, cool. Ooh, so yeah, so with the Nets, it looks like Kyrie's going there as a Knicks. Obviously, like I'm not gonna say I didn't want Kyrie, but I did not want Kyrie by himself. You'd be, but listen, you'd be lying if you say you didn't want Kyrie. Now I must, cu- I must cut you off. I must cut you off real quick. I just said I wanted Kyrie. I'm sorry, what? No, I just don't want Kyrie. I must, yeah. Listen, the the people who who do revisionist history, like, oh, I never wanted Kyrie. You're lying. I I wanted Kyrie. I didn't want Kyrie as my best player. No, they're lying. They're lying. Come on, stop acting. People need to stop acting like they don't like Kyrie. Now, real quick before we continue, I saw something on Twitter this morning. It was somebody who was quoting Woj. I think he went on ESPN and said something. Now. Kyrie to Brooklyn is presumably a done deal. However, and this was a big however, and I felt really, I felt, I felt really great when I saw this because this person wrote that Woj said the Nets' plan was to get Kyrie and KD together. If that were, if that isn't going to happen, they're going to pass on Kyrie and re-sign. D'Angelo Russell, and then I assume either sign a lower tier free agent, probably like a, a Tobias Harris or somebody. And I saw that, and I, w- I was having my doubts a little bit about the front office and how they would just sign Kyrie and kind of play it by ear the rest of the summer. But I do, I do feel comfortable them having that either or, because you either sign Kyrie with somebody else, or you re-sign D'Angelo Russell and just keep on keeping on again. I don't know how true that is, but it was Woj who reportedly said this, but here's my issue with, the, with the nets. Right. And I love, again, we go back to the part about how like the nets are just used as a proxy for the Knicks. If the nets got Kyrie and Tobias Harris, they would get praised, even though they gave up two first round picks thinking that they were going to get Kevin Durant or Kawhi, you know what I'm saying? And they don't get both. It's like, Oh yeah, the Nets, you know, whatever. But they just got their picks back. They had to send them away. But it's cool. It's whatever. Listen, listen. The, situ- the situation that they came from, that's why people I believe, are a little overzealous with the praise. And also, we can't sit here and pretend that it is the most amazing thing ever that <laughs> Kyrie ditched the Celtics for the Nets, and it was the Celtics who used the Nets pick to trade for Kyrie. That is... See that that right there? If that were to happen, it would just Twitter would melt. Oh yeah, it's it all coming amazing. around. It all comes around. It's all oh no, it's just it's going to happen. That's why it's just funny. But the issue is, is like, listen, do you really want Kyrie as your best player next year? No, I don't. See, that's the issue, man. And like, I don't, I don't understand. Who, necessarily okay like if you guys were were all hearing that like all right we can get Kyrie Kyrie signed to Rock Nation 
I think what the twin brother of the of the guy who runs Rock Nation is his twin brother is the CEO of the Nets or something like that. Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything it's about that. Yeah, it's something in that like vein where like basically there's a connection between Rock Nation and the Nets, not Jay Z related. Anyway, um, that the if you're like yo, Kyrie, we can get Kyrie and KD. Do whatever you gotta do. Let's do this. All right. And now obviously KD's leg is dumb, but I figured you would still want to pick him up. But <laughs> the idea that you guys couldn't just like keep D'Angelo Russell and then like. You're going to still possibly let D'Angelo Russell go? Because if I'm D'Angelo Russell, right, and I see that you're getting Kyrie, right, I don't want to stay. <laughs> Why would I want to stay with you? I was the man last year. Like, I made the all-star team. I made y'all make the playoffs for the first time like four years or so. And the fact that y'all basically thirst-trapping over a dude who's older than him, who's more injury-prone than him, is weird. I'm going to go, I personally, if I was personally D'Angelo Russell, I would think him going to Indiana would be great. Um, Close to the Ohio State, got great defensive players around him. He can really shine. That one-two punch of him and Oladipo would be outstanding. Um, I, I think his second choice might be the Knicks. You don't know what they can be doing in that spot, which <laughs> adding D'Angelo Russell and Dennis Smith Jr. and R.J. Barrett, good gosh. <laughs> That's going to be no defense. They would have a defensive rating of 135. Oh, God. <laughs> Mitch is just – he's just flipping out like mid-court. Looking like, like, looking like a JV squad against the varsity team. Oh, my God. That's, that that would be funny to watch. And then – or his third option could be the Suns. I mean, you know, Utah oh, was God. an option. But Ugh. it all depends. Like, But him – like playing with Kyrie, while I do like Kyrie – he has clear faults. Like, we don't know what is wrong with this guy. Like, to think that Kyrie wasn't happy winning in Cleveland, then he wasn't happy winning in Boston, he's now going to be happy in Brooklyn when he's going to, if they don't get Kevin Durant or Kawhi, might be the fifth seed in the East on a good day and losing the first round. See, now this this was my exact same concern. And I didn't really express express this on Twitter because I really just wanted to get these jokes off for clout. But <laughs> I, for clout. Exactly, for clout. But I have been kind of sheepish on Kyrie for those reasons because, okay, so scenario A, you sign Kyrie, but you don't sign anybody else better than him. Now, Granted, the team may be a little deeper because you sign a couple mid-tier free agents. The team's a little deeper. You still have Dinwiddie. You still have Karis LeVert, who's a nice 1B to Kyrie. But the issue with that is we've seen how he played on a team where he was the number one option. And the Celtics this past season were better than the Nets. Objectively, they were better. They had, they had Al Horford. They had Jason Tatum. If Gordon Hayward, when Gordon when Gordon Hayward played well, they looked like contenders. Now, Kyrie vanished. Don't know where he went during the postseason, but he shot like what forty percent from the field. The same yeah. guy, the same guy, who torched Golden State in the finals only three years ago, regressed to. I I can't even think of a of a joke about this. He, Shabazz he, Napier. Yeah, he yeah he became fuck it he became a woke Shabazz Napier right now. So that's the first scenario. The second scenario is you sign Kyrie, and you sign Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard, right? KD is going to be on the shelf until not until two seasons from today. Not next. Not next season but the following one. He comes back, even though he won't be the same player, he's still he's still Kevin Durant. He's still probably going to be better than Kyrie Irving at that point. Same deal with Kawhi. Now you have the same dynamic you had in Cleveland, except with two players who are only a little bit below LeBron James. And I don't know if Kyrie Irving is yet in love with the idea 
of going back to how it was in Cleveland. Now, I mean, he's still young, only 25, but he's been in the, he's been in the NBA for a while. He may have realized that he's not that great without somebody else alongside him. Now, I don't think he would ever come out and say that as a player. Maybe in maybe 15 years down the road when he's doing interviews, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I realized that I needed somebody else. I don't think he's going to come out and say that now. But he may – there's the chance that he's come to grips with the idea that his teams won't be that successful if there isn't somebody else that's better than him playing alongside him. I, just, I don't know how likely that is, but there is still the possibility of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's that's the plan. It's funny. we The Knicks and the Nets both have the same exact plan, basically, is get that point guard that you want and then potentially um, – Get Kevin, Kevin Durant. Durant. So my thing is like just with with you or just the upcoming season. Obviously, I want Durant. Obviously, you know I would like Kyrie with Durant or with Kawhi or just have Kawhi by himself. But the thing is that like the good thing is that I love how everyone I can really see it the leaking of like the Knicks apocalypse tweets. They're coming out slowly, but but the piece they're about to drop, and I can really just you can see it coming. So the thing about it is in this league. You having cap space and having assets is never a bad thing, unless you're the Boston Celtics and you never use any of it. So right. with the Knicks, is that what the one thing they can do, which I think would benefit them, is you see the teams that are distressed and you snatch an opportunity to get them, and you can get better. Basically, what the Nets kind of did in yeah. what you guys did last year. You guys got a bunch of dudes yeah. on bad contracts. You got assets, pieces, and you guys use them in order to let your team grow and make the playoffs. So I said this on, I think, the last podcast, podcast before. Like, there are a bunch of guys this year that have one-year deals, right, for a lot of money. So let's say they get KD, right? I would I would be I would be calling up Charlotte. Charlotte, I think Marvin Bag, not Marvin, Marvin Williams has one year left, $15 million. I would um, call up Phoenix, be like, yo, Tyler Johnson, I think he has one year, $12 million. And the one thing else I would also do is I would call up Houston. Because if you're hearing now, you know, Houston's beefing, whatever, whatever. I think that gets worked out just because Chris Paul can't be moved. But if you're hearing that Houston really wants to add a third guy, right? And if Jimmy Butler's in play, I call him up and say, listen, give me Eric Gordon's contract and give me Clint Capella. That's your money right there to sign Jimmy Butler. And then give me like, you know, a future first round pick, let's say top five protected. And that's it. I, I give you I give you a chance to win the championship right now. And you give me Eric Gordon, whose contract, I think together they make $28 million. Eric Gordon can play right now. And I have Clint Capella, who can basically be my Mitchell Robinson, not replacement, but he's just the guy I can bring off the bench. And then him and Mitch interchange for each other. And if I don't like him, he doesn't make a lot of money. I think in his last year of his deal, he makes $18 million. I can trade that at any point with a first-round pick if I if I get that good because I still have KD on the roster. Yeah, no, I'm, I guess you. I thought you were talking about the Nets for a second. And I was I was just... I don't care about your Nets. No, I'm kidding. No, I was not. No, I'm saying like the way you guys basically like had your set of guys the way you were, that's a good way to at least go forward with like, you know, building up a team that way. Um, but it's, it's stuff like that. Like that's the way the Knicks have to approach this year. Like if you don't get Kawhi, you don't get KD. That's the best way to go they about it. Set their sights on one Avenue of a rebuild. It's kind of like when you hear wealthy people talk about how they made their money and it's not always in one industry. You want to, I guess, like diversify your portfolio or whatever. That's how you want to build an NBA team because the draft is only going to be so fruitful. And the same thing with free agency. So if you get a nice balance of everything, you know, you draft, even if you draft two good players, it doesn't like if you draft two good players in, I don't know, four years, right? That doesn't seem like that many because it's not. But if in year, if in like years three and four, you sign a couple guys and you make a couple of trades here and there. Next thing you know, you have 
a complete team. And it, it takes a while. It takes a couple years for rebuilds to reach their full potential. Yeah, definitely. So even if the Knicks strike out this summer, which, I mean, it could it could very well happen. I mean, KD and Kawhi, who knows what they're going to do? They might go to... They might Clippers, just stay. Like... Know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's that's also possible. But it's not the end of the world if the Knicks don't do anything this summer. Because the only thing that's worse than doing nothing is doing something horrible. Exactly. You don't want to make the you don't want to make the bad move. Better, yeah, you don't want to make your situation, which the situation isn't the best, but it's better than where they were a year ago. It, they are objectively a better team, and you can ask any Nick fan, I'm, and I'm confident that they'll say, "Yeah, the team is that's not great, but it's better than it was." The last thing you want to do is make a move that will put you back. Exactly. You don't want to go back to that middle tier. You so, want to be able to. Be flexible enough to get right. a lot better. If nothing happens, yeah, just chill. And you're not projected to do anything this upcoming season anyway. So what, what's the matter? Just develop your young guys and then wait for next summer. If they strike out again next summer, then then it's a little it's a little concerning. But well next summer the free the free agency class is like it, it's outside of Anthony Davis, it's like Draymond Green. It's like not yeah, that good. Listen. All you need is a couple guys. And, but another good thing about a you know, not a great free agent class. Oh, the dogs. Is that the market value for all the players kind of lessens because everyone is around the same level. There isn't going to be a handful of guys getting paid these enormous contracts. It's going to be a bunch of guys getting a little below the max. You know, if the max is 32, you're going to see a lot of deals for 20 to 25. And that's going to kind of help keep everything under control exactly man uh so yeah um i guess we could also like transition now for what's been happening just just the last couple of days um chris paul and yeah chris paul and james harden pair to hate each other um how many first round picks and second how many picks would it take you for to want chris paul on your team 18 yeah bro i'm about to say man i couldn't I could not have Chris Paul on my team now. So this this is this is my view on the situation, right? I saw a lot of people clowning Vincent Goodwill's reporting on this because they just don't think it's true. I don't understand how people can watch professional sports and not realize that guy's beef. Guys beef all the time. People in regular life beef. You can't tell me that you have never not once fought with your friends. And these are your friends. You don't even work with them. You just hang out every so often. So James Harden and Chris Paul have beef. I totally understand how this is feasible. Was it a little bit overblown? Maybe. It's possible that the source was someone who either works for the Rockets or used to work for the Rockets. And they could, you know, maybe be embellishing the situation. That's cool. When you lose as dramatically and as miserably as Houston has over the last two years, your two best players are bound to have a little tension, especially when one of them has been hurt and underperforming. Now, Chris Paul shouldn't be mad at James Harden for his body breaking down, but he may be mad at his body for breaking down, right? Another thing is this is believable because Chris Paul has had issues like this previously. I was looking it up and I found something on Deadspin where they obtained documents and it was a lawsuit, I believe, between Blake Griffin and his baby mom. And in that, there was, quote, mounting tension between him and Chris Paul. And that was only a couple years ago when Chris Paul was in his prime and playing some of the best basketball of his career. I think it's just the kind of personality that Chris Paul has and it's the kind of personality that a lot of all-star players have where... They're just so, I don't even know how to describe it. They just, I, I really don't know how to describe this because it's not really arrogance, although it may be. They're just kind of fiery. Like Chris Paul, he's a, he's a, he's a fiery person. Even when he's on the court, he's like, he's always like throwing 
temper tantrums. He's like Draymond Green, in a sense. He's just shorter. They're the same type of fiery, you know, get up in get up in the ref's face when they don't like a call type of player. But they just do it on a level that's so much grander than the rest of the league that it's easy to point them out. So I'm not this doesn't surprise me that they may have a little tension. No, I just honestly I just think Chris Paul's a dick. <laughs> that that's really important. He may he may very well be. I saw this tweet I saw this tweet yesterday and it was hilarious. <laughs> and they said now I realize why all the players who are friends with Chris Paul have never played with him. That's that's another great point. Everyone, well, the only person that did was Melo for like twenty games. For, yeah, and Melo didn't even really play that much. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. Like, and that's the thing. Like, when when you keep hearing that, like, all right, everyone, the Clippers basically hated him. Now James Harden seems to hate him. It's like it becomes a trend, man. And yeah, I don't know how it's even possible to get Chris Paul off the team. Like he's going to make $44 million in two years. He's a player option for $44 million. Man, I know. Like that. That's incredible. That is incredible. Um, Oh, another thing, another thing about this is we see this, we see this every time a negative report comes out and people are like, Oh, the player, the player and the the general manager, they denied it. So it's not true. What else are they going to say? You think Chris Paul's going to come up and be like, Oh yeah, I got beef with James Harden. Sorry, guys. So he's not going to say that. If there is a problem, which there might be, they're doing damage control, and they're trying to have good PR. Yeah. Right? Chris Paul being like, oh, that's news to me. Like, what else is he going to say? Of course. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like, I've been to about this. It's funny. It's on, funny. Everyone, everyone keeps saying, oh, well, Chris Paul denied it. Oh, uh, J- Daryl Moley denied it. James Harden hasn't said a word. Yeah. But no one said anything about that. <laughs> Like it's very, it's very important. Whenever you see any kind of story, it's to just take everything with a grain of salt. Don't believe the story right away, and don't believe the player's response because we don't know who's right. There's Vincent Goodwill side of the story. There's Chris Paul side of the story, and there's the truth. And we we just we don't know. There hasn't real. There hasn't been any confirmation on this. So maybe someone's lying. Maybe both are telling the truth and it was just a little bit overblown, but that's just the nature of, that's just the nature of what's going on. And it's believable. It's not like this is an unbelievable story. But people are acting like this is the first story. This is actually the third story. You remember when the, when the, when the Western Conference was happening and there was a report that they were bickering in the argument in the locker room. But like people, but that's what I was saying earlier. People do that. Like players, they do that. I'm not surprised. Is it, a, is it a little concerning? Maybe. But everyone made a big deal when Draymond Green was cursing out Kevin Durant on the sideline. They they may not like each other. They may not like each other either. But it's just, especially in the locker room, in the Western Conference Finals, like, I could see that. You know, was this after, when was this? This was two years ago after Game 7? Or... Oh no no no! The the report that came out was this year. That was this year in the West Coast Finals. That report came out that said they were bickering, and then again, oh, oh, uh, I'm sorry, and then I the, uh, what you said. story dropped. I think Monday of this week. Then it happened. Then this story just dropped. So it's been three stories within what is it? Two months. Word. I misinterpreted what you said the first time. They're like they're, yeah, okay. it's like. Yeah, yeah. So when 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 people are saying like this isn't true, there's no there's no report to this. I don't believe them, just because like you now have three stories from three different reporters from three and from three different companies. It was the the athletic story, then the ESPN story, then the then the Yahoo story. There there's clearly tension, and as much as they want to like try to downplay it, like Daryl Morey saying, "Oh, blah blah blah," there's always tension between competitors or all that other crap. And like it, like of course. And here's the thing: when people are like, "Well, Stephen A. said it's not true." Stephen A. said he called Chris Paul and told him it wasn't true. What do you think Chris Paul is going to tell him? Yeah, like exactly. Like I'm not calling Stephen A. from saying that. It's like that's what Chris Paul is going to tell him. That now the whole demand the trade thing. That's you know you can get kind of questionable with that just because Chris Paul's got to know he can't get traded. Yeah, everyone knows Chris Paul can't get traded. Yeah, like Chris Paul's not dumb. He knows he can't leave. I just think he wanted wants it out there about his grievances with James Harden. 
And I saw, that's why I think this whole, like, Dan Tony thing kind of came into play. I really think they wanted to fire Dan Tony, but I don't think they could effectively find a better or find someone that's going to want to take that job. Yeah, I could see why. Because there was when um, Dan Tony, you remember when his contract negotiation stalled, right? He wanted yeah. more. And I could understand why he, well, one, why he wants to be paid relative to his contemporaries. But two, why he want to pay more because he has to come back to a situation where they're doing the same thing over and over and it's not working. And I talked about this where I kind of divvy up the blame for the Rockets struggles and, you know, X amount goes on the players because they're executing the game plan. I understand that. And then there's a little bit of blame that goes to the head coach because it's his game plan. And if the game plan isn't effective, that's his problem. But then it goes up to the front office. And if the front office doesn't have the proper pieces for the coach to execute his game plan. There's nothing the coach nor the players can do. And after they lost in 2018 and they let Trevor Reza and they let Mba Mute go, they wanted to run it back, but they had to have known that they weren't going to be a successful with a lesser roster. And they knew they were going to have to face golden state eventually. Yeah, bro. I, I'm, I'm just really, <laughs> it's just a funny, like kind of like dynamic of that team. Like, they can't move. And, and what's crazy is, like, if they just bring the same team back, they can make the finals next year. So, I, I don't know. Like, next year, really, I think if they if they want to win it, because the league is so wide open that um, it's it's going to come down to, like, yeah. it's now or never for them to win the title. All right, I want to talk about Conley, though, and just, like, NBA in general. So, Mike Conley was just traded to Utah. Um this is one of the one of the rare. I think everyone basically got satisfied with what they need. Conley has a chance to, you know, arguably make the West Conference Finals. I, I thought Utah was going to be a really good team last year. They were good, but they weren't as good as I thought they were going to be. Um, and they started off really slow. I think they were like, I think at one point they were like eleven and like twenty, some something really bad. Like they were around like you know, you like Houston Rockets bad to begin the season. And then, you know, they picked it up in the second half. So I like this trade twofold. One, for I'll talk about the Utah side first. Mike Conley is a really good player. I understand I believe he's 31 years old. He has a lot of money left. It's $32 million this year. I think it's another, I think it's a player option. I could just look that up again real quick. Is a, I think he's expiring actually after this year. Yeah. So he's going to be there, you would assume, for at least two years. Oh, he's got an early termination option for 2024. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, yes, $32 million this year. Then he has a player option for 34 He'll be 31 this year. He'll be 32 next year. I like it because you get a player who's still in his prime who will finally give, um, you know, Donovan Mitchell someone who can, like, actually pass the ball to, who can, you know, dribble outside of Joe Inglis. Uh, Inglés, that they can uh, finally, like, someone else who could penetrate into the paint. I like the way they play defensively. They're going to be great. Mike Conley's a very good defender. Donovan Mitchell, even though he's short, is a very good defender. They are short. They are they – are, they're the inverse of kind of like what the Portland Trailblazers present, as in they're more defensive-oriented, even though they can score the ball um, in the backcourt as opposed to, like, the Portland guards who are just two dynamic offensive players. And this shows that the West especially is wide open. Like, I can make a case for all – I can make a case for 10 teams making making the finals next year. The Lakers, they have the two best players in the league, arguably, at least healthy now. The Clippers, they might get Kawhi. He just showed he can take a ragtag bunch to the finals. Nah, I wouldn't go that far. I think the, if, if the Clippers, nah. bro, if the Clippers, no, I'm, Kawhi, talking, I'm talking about your description of the Raptors. Oh no, 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 oh, no, no. I don't, I'm not saying the rag. I'm not saying ragtag in that sense, but just a team not for. No, just... Um, who else? Uh, the Houston. We just talked about their whole yeah. team. Utah. We just talked about them for a little bit. In oh, back, what's up, Denver? Denver? Can we, I, I love Denver. Uh, yeah, Golden yeah. State. 
if Clay comes back, you would think healthy enough by the end of the year, they can possibly get in maybe as a seventh or eighth seed. Um, we already talked about the Lakers. We already talked about the Clippers. Uh, the Kings, are they going to be better than they are next year? That's another team that could be on the rise as well. New Orleans, why I don't think they can they, – they'll make the finals. They can make the playoffs. And, like, even the teams that we think are going to be bad, like the Suns, the Suns still have Devin Booker. Like, no, they, they have Memphis, who we think is going to be bad, will now have two great players under the age of 23 in Triple J and John Morant. And also two first-round picks that they can possibly trade, potentially extra picks they can trade in the future. Um, so the West is – Crazy, crazy deep. Um, I really like this trade for Utah and for Memphis. Look, they had to get rid of Conley because as a point guard in this today's day and age, you have to give that guy the ball and let him rock. He's going to make a ton of mistakes, probably have a bunch of turnover games, but you got to let him rock. At least he has, you know, Triple J there to relieve some of the scoring pressure off him. And you still have shooters now in Kyle Crover and – um I mean, Jay Crowder is just a kind of a glue guy, but I really like this trade. I don't, I don't know what your expectations of it were. I do as well for pretty much all the same reasons. It gives Utah that chance to finally live up to their potential in the postseason because now you have an upgrade over Ricky Rubio who was playing decent basketball before he got hurt. In the playoffs, he was averaging, I don't know, like 15 and five or something. So not great, yeah. not great, but it was, it was enough. Right. And then you have Gobert, and you got Joe Ingles giving you 12 to 15 a game. Now you have Mike Conley who at 31 years old averaged 21 and six after coming off. I don't know. Was it an Achilles injury? It was some lower, it was some lower body injury that limited him to 12 games two years ago. I yeah. Mean, he's. He's going to be a real difference maker for that squad. And we may now finally see Donovan Mitchell not look like the Louisville version of Kobe Bryant because he's going to get higher percentage looks because he's not creating almost the entirety of the offense. He's going to be able to slash and play off the ball, which is another thing that it's, it's, he's better off in that role than he is as a point guard because he's kind of like, he really is a tweener in at the guard spot. But then also Mike Conley can kind of lay off the ball and just hang out in the corner and shoot open threes every so often. I do think they're going to struggle again in the beginning portion of the season, just trying to figure out how to divvy up the possessions. But what's going to help expedite that is Mike Conley being a veteran and kind of, knowing when he's going to need to step up and when he's going to need to lay back and let Mitchell get into a rhythm. No, yeah, I think we both like this trade on both ends. Um, I would – I don't know what that future first-round pick is. I'm assuming it will be lottery-protected. It's probably not a good first-round pick. I think Woj tweeted about it. It Yeah, it was definitely protected. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. I was, I was thinking this in the gym just the other day, how like, it's crazy how in the last three days, we've basically had large discussions about a point guard who is seemingly washed, another point guard who just got traded, who's never made an all-star team, um, and potentially the a team that is the smallest market in the league trade away a generational player to get another general generational player. It's one it's the best league in, in the world, man. Where it's the, the best Raptors league in the world. And the game the title not even a week played. ago. Oh actually it's a week ago. No it'll be a week tomorrow it'll be a week tomorrow. It's crazy. Yes. And free agency hasn't even started yet. Exactly. That's when all the all the drugs Listen, are man, just really started. I was so stoked once the finals ended because I was like damn I can finally just relax for a couple days, and then, nah, that did not happen. I'm sitting there at graduation parties. I was sitting there. At, I was at a graduation party on Saturday, and you know, I was hanging out, having a good time. You know, drinking a couple Coronas, whatever. And I knew that Anthony Davis, that there was the chance he was going to be traded, but I did not expect to get a notification 
in the middle of this party saying that Anthony Davis is now a Laker. I'm like, damn, Woj won't even let me enjoy my weekend in peace. It's crazy. Yo, Saturday, it's crazy. Man. It doesn't, you don't even get Saturday no, off, never. bro. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, appreciate it. Um, again, like, this is just the last uh, bit right before the draft. Um, I think the Knicks are going to take RJ. Who you guys, who you think will take at 27, if you guys even take the pick? Shit, I don't even know. <laughs> Uh, Imbul, like, he'll be around there. I can't say his name. Matisse Stiebel, maybe. Stiebel, that guy. Matisse Stiebel. I don't. Know. Yeah, I have. I have no idea. <laughs> Just uh, you know, take another guard and then take Kyrie as well. I think they'd be better off just trading it. <laughs> but for what? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Hey, listen, maybe. I'll give you Neil Akita for that pick. I think that that's what the Knicks were looking at. Nah, you you know you'd be mad. You know you'd be mad. I might. I'm, you know what? Of course I'll be mad. I don't want to play Neil Keen. I'll give you Dennis Junior though, if you want that. Yeah, but if you put Neil Akina there with the Nets player development squad, I mean, at this point, if you put Neil Akina and and might, and might turn into a French Kyrie, Kyrie there, Kyrie doesn't want to pass the ball anyway. Yeah, for uh, Zach and me, thank you guys again for listening. Um, and yeah, this is the Daily Next Podcast. Appreciate it.